Well, hello. It's been a long time, friends. Welcome to another episode of A Damn Fine Podcast, the podcast that has watched every minute of film that has been publicly released about Twin Peaks and talked about it. Uh, and now we're going to continue to talk about it some more. I'm Ron Richards, and as always, is with me my brother in Twin Peaks arms, Mr. Tom Merritt. Hey, Ron. Uh, does this mean that we now uh, kind of time loop back and then we start all so. over rewatching everything? It might be. It might be. Uh, we have to change our names. I'll be Richard. Yes, I'll no. be Linda, I guess. <laughs> well, so the reason why we're here, uh, why we, re- you know, now that Twin Peaks, the return or Twin Peaks season three has ended. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since the finale and we wanted to kind of get back together and kind of you know talk about the, the, the finale, where things left off. But most of all, I know many of you in our audience have been waiting to find out what our guest Mallory O'Meara has to say about season three. So Mallory, welcome back to the show. Hey guys, I'm so excited to be back here and talk about this with you. As you can probably surmise, I have quite a few thoughts and opinions and a lot of feelings about the end of season three and the return of Twin Peaks. I, I know. And so if, if for some reason, you listener, you are tuning in for the first time, press pause. <laughs> and you, go back, you, you can go back to our previous episode where you heard Tom and I dissect the finale moments after it ended with Connor Kilpatrick and Gabe Hardman. Uh, and if you haven't watched Twin Peaks, don't listen to that. Go back to our first episode, rewatch all Twin Peaks and come back. And then now uh, you'll be cut off to hear about what Mallory thinks. So you've regular listeners, you've heard me and Tom. We're not going to add to our we're going to add to the conversation, but you already know what we think about it. Although, Tom, I imagine there might be some processing and changing in yeah, opinion. No, I, I think both of our thoughts have evolved. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I'm excited to hear what Mallory thinks. Oh, I think the be- the best way to sum it up is I, I saw, I watched the, the finale as I watched almost the entire uh, return with my friend and uh, get, past guest of Damn Fine Podcast, Bria Grant, and her, and her fiancé, John. And John looked over at me, he says, Mallory, I've never seen you so crestfallen in my life. Uh, I mean, a minute after it ended, I felt pretty emotionally devastated by it. Uh, I think there was no possible way for any of us to not feel emotionally devastated. I think Mm. going in, we all knew that we weren't going to get the emotional closure that we wanted. Uh, I just didn't think it would be that extreme. Uh, The thing that really killed me was we had all the pieces there. And one one of the, my, my, I was not disappointed in the ending after I got to digest it. I feel the way I've been saying it is that I I was emotionally devastated and very intellectually satisfied. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of both of them. Like I understood what was going on. I loved the the mythology. I loved all of it. And I, I continue to love it more every day that goes by and the more I process it. But in the immediate wake, you know, there was so, so, especially, you know, you're watching it, there's 10 minutes left, there's five minutes left, and you were just thinking about that time, and you're like, there's just no way, in that sinking feeling, there's no way that I'm going to get all the things that I want. I'm not going to find out what happens to Audrey. Um, we're not going back to Twin Peaks. We're not going to find out what happens to him and to her and to this and to that. And you just sort of, you know, your your heart just starts to shrivel a little bit. Um, it, it was a... Uh, it was a it was a roller coaster. Um, well, it, well, it's interesting. I think I think your description of being emotionally devastated is apt because I think part of it also ties to a lot of the feedback that we got from listeners and from folks who left comments on iTunes and things like that. Is that you know emotionally devastated and the description that you just gave, Mallory, is what if you if you had someone describe that to me without telling me what they were describing, I would I would guess that they're talking about art. 
Yeah. Hmm. No, I, and I, I mean, I, it really is, I think, the most important thing to happen to television in so, so long. And I thought is it was just so audacious. It was brilliant. It was so brave. I loved all of it. But I, I think the one one of the only stip, like, problems that I had with it, just from a s- storytelling standpoint, it, it was killing to me to be the scene in the sheriff station. They've defeated the weird Bob Orb. You know, everybody's standing around, and you've got Hawk, you've got Coop, you've got Gordon, you've got Albert, Lucy, and Andy, and everybody's there except for Harry, of course. And they don't interact with each other. You don't have. We didn't get that beat of hey. The gang's all here. Oh man, Twin Peaks. We, we just got none of that, and that was just sort of that. That would that beat that. Oh wow, look at we're we're all here. Almost thirty years have gone by. I didn't get that, and none of us got that, and it felt a little. If that that was the biggest letdown for me is that we just didn't get that pause breath moment. I mean, really, the whole. I mean, almost whole, the whole part eighteen was just sort of a roller coaster ride, and you don't get to catch your breath at all. And I would have just liked to have one moment where I could cry. I, you know, I, I brought my a handkerchief along to watch the fat, <laughs> the last two episodes because I was like, I'm going to cry. I'm going to feel, I'm going to get this emotional catharsis. It's going to be great. And there was just, you, you just didn't get it. You know, I think the closest moment we get is the weird sex scene with Coop and Diane. And you know, it's not really Coop, but you know, something's going on and you're like, you're feeling her saying goodbye to him. And you're having this moment. You're like, wait, I think I'm saying goodbye to him too. Mm-hmm. Oh God. But it's still not... I just didn't feel emotionally satisfied. I would have liked a moment to say goodbye to everybody. And we, I mean, we got more of a goodbye to Cooper in, in the season two episode where he's walking out the door and doing the wizard of Oz treatment oh, to everybody yeah. that we got here. But I, I think you absolutely nailed it when you said, you know, emotionally devastating, but intellectually satisfying because David Lynch returned to twin peaks the way it meant to him to return it wasn't necessarily how we would return to twin peaks so i i've been feeling the same way as you mallory i look at this episode and i think or or not this episode but this entire run this entire season and i think this is really amazing television that's very innovative this is an incredibly intriguing story is not even a big enough word for it. And there's so many things to praise about it. But then when you make it Twin Peaks, suddenly I'm less satisfied because I'm like, ah, but I didn't get this. I didn't get that. And it's not that I wanted to just recapture lightning in a bottle from the 90s again. I wanted to feel that feeling. I wanted to to have the magic of Frost and Lynch play out again in a new way, but make me feel the way that Twin Peaks did at the first, the first time I saw it, where I got, you know, ridiculously excited about cherry pie and coffee and Tibet. Uh, and I wanted new, <laughs> new things like that. And, and, and I think that's where people have these mixed feelings because we didn't get a lot of that. Yeah. And I, and I understand that. I I think that, and that's most people I've talked to, that was their big problem with the series is they're like, yeah, it's wonderful art, but there's no joy. There isn't the, like the, the cheesy fun Americana part that we all love. But as much as I miss that and I miss donuts and I miss, you know, like all these sweet moments, that's not what brings us back to Twin Peaks. If that's all we wanted, we would be watching soap operas every right. day. So what keeps us coming back to Twin Peaks is the mythology and, and wondering what's going on in the Red Room and what's going on with the owls. And like, that's what makes Twin Peaks Twin Peaks. And I, uh, 
it's such a you feel so torn because you do miss all those things and you, the new the return definitely doesn't give you that like warm feeling in your heart that some episodes of the old show did but I kind of knew that we weren't going to be getting that. And I'm yeah. happy that, I mean, you could definitely see, you know, Frost and Lynch were like, all right, well, we've had the story fermenting in our head for 30 years. You know, we really want to get all this stuff out. And we got a few moments of, of cuteness and fun, but it really wasn't, you know, we, we, I just knew that we weren't going to be getting that. Yeah. Well, so I, I think, kind of, I, I think it's interesting that they chose, I feel like they, they consciously chose to acknowledge that we wanted that by giving us, you know, Hawks donut disturb sign. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and like the little glimmers and the little moments of a reminder of this, this world does exist, but we're, we already did that. And, you know, here we're exploring something else that is a lot more, uh, you know, metaphysical or whatever you want to call it or whatever the, 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 the dimensional kind of the experiment and all that sort of stuff. That's what the exploration was, but they knew we wanted it. They, and, and, you know, and it's, yeah. And, and it's they, funny because I, I, I've gotten a lot of people asking me what I think the split between Frost and Lynch has been, and we'll talk about that a little a little later in the show specifically. But you know, it seems as though as if everybody assumes that all the out there stuff is Lynch, and it was Frost bringing them back to Earth to say, "Oh no, we need to do this, we need to do this." But you know, after oh, reading no about way. the yeah, no, I, David Lynch is really as sentimental as we all are as well yeah. too, just you know, just on a different level. Oh, totally. And I mean, I think there's no way you could have read the secret history of Twin Peaks and not thought, okay, well, all the crazy alien shit, that's Mark Frost. Yeah. You know, he's just as much of a part of the weirdness, just in a different way. If I'm Lynch and Frost, I'm sitting there going, look, I gave you Big Ed and Norma, which was unnecessary to this entire season. You, You don't need it. And I gave it to you. What more do you people want? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's what I've been telling people. I got my I am the FBI moment and I got my Big Ed and Norma, which, as you both know, and listeners of the show will know that I've been waiting for the entire season. When I when that episode happens, I cried so hard. I had to watch it twice because I was so emotional about it and so happy about it. Even now, I just thinking about that scene just like makes my heart explode. So, okay, thank you, Lynch. Thank you, Frost, for that, because we didn't need to get that. And he could have left it as, you know, as them apart and Norma with all the double R franchises. They could have left it there and I would have understood it. I would have been brokenhearted, but I would have understood it. But the fact that we got that, I mean, that to me showed that the hope that Twin Peaks is going to overcome this darkness that has overtaken it. I mean, like we I think we definitely needed the I am the FBI moment. But the the big headed Norma was that was complete mushy heartfelt stuff for us like that. You pull pull that out of the storyline and it doesn't change anything. Nothing. Yeah, it's oh, completely absolutely. not needed. I mean, and like maybe, I mean, like you could tie it to Dr. Amp and, and, and Dr. Jacoby and Nadine sure. and, and Twin Peaks and stuff like that. But yeah, you're right. If they cut that out, nothing would have changed about this other than all of us having a big, warm, fuzzy feeling for about 10 or 15 minutes after it happened and screaming and being happy, which I, <laughs> which, which I like, which I'm glad they did. And, I'm, yeah, uh, you know, and it, shows, it shows that they have a heart, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I mean... From a from an intellectual and storytelling standpoint, there's really only a few things that there's only a few big questions that I had after the series that I felt like they didn't really they, they kind of dropped the ball on, and they're not what you would probably expect them to be. My my first big question mark and and thing that thread that I felt was left undone was who's the billionaire? Yep. 
and that the Brazil, all the New York, I feel like that wasn't, I, I'm going to be quite, that's actually what I'm hoping we get more of in the final dossier in the book that's coming out this month. Um, fingers crossed. Actually, I think it's next Friday. No, Maybe? it's, it's, it's the end of October, October 31st. October 31st. Yeah. Um, uh, who I'm desperate to know what more about that. And also something that ties the whole season, whole three seasons together that I, the question that I couldn't stop thinking about, especially at the end, especially after the Ed and Norma scene was what the fuck happened to the Bookhouse boys? Yep. They're there. Yeah. They were this force that was supposed to be combating the darkness in Twin Peaks. And clearly yeah. the darkness has overtaken Twin Peaks. And there was no mention of it. Through the whole return with Ed, I mean, there's Ed there, James is there. Hawk. I mean, I know Hawk exactly. I mean, this is you get so much time thing. with Hawk. He could have he could yeah. have dropped even just to like, if only the Bookhouse Boys were still together, right? Like, yeah, something. exactly. Yeah. There wasn't even an acknowledgement to it. And the only thing that I can think of is you know the fact that Harry, you know, Harry's has is is off in the hospital, but there were so many other people in in the Bookhouse that could be helping. Andy, like everybody yeah. was there, well, and they didn't mention it, and it so, kills me. Well, so to play devil's advocate and fan speculation, let's not forget that the last time we saw the Bookhouse, it was completely trashed by Harry being upset about the death of Josie. So no, no, we 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 never had any confirmation that the bookhouse ever recovered from that moment. Oh sure, yeah. I, I <laughs> guess, but I just don't think an uh, you know a secret order of of darkness fighting men is going to be toppled over by one guy's you know love drunken problems. yeah drunken love problems especially yeah. over fucking Josie. <laughs> like I just don't think I I I I've always felt that the bookhouse was this much stronger especially you know with all with all with even harry you know harry obviously recovered from from whatever happened with josie at least in some capacity i just i don't know that that was and whenever i say this to people they're like really you care about the book house i was like i, I feel like it was so integral to the plot and so much of, and it was so connected to the mythology and we didn't get any of it and like that's really if i could ask mark frost and david lynch one question that would be it like what what the fuck happened to the book house boys well and, and and it's funny because i because the book house boys did they were present in the secret history. Like there were lots yes. of there were there were a few Bookhouse Boy dossiers. You know, Hawk writing about Big Ed and Norma and 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 the 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 tragedy of uh, Big Ed, Norma, and Nadine and that love triangle. There was Cooper's you know kind of dossier on Josie and all that sort of stuff. So it shows that that there it was thought acknowledgement of it in the 21st century. <laughs> why it didn't you know why it didn't make it into the show? I'm sure it just gets chalked up to there's only so much time. I, you know. Yeah, I mean, but there's there's only so much time, but there's a lot of time for Dougie. So there's 18 <laughs> hours. I feel like if it was something that they really wanted to do, they could have done. So I was pretty disappointed with that. But I mean, honestly, overall, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. I, I've already rewatched most of the episodes, if not, yeah, I think not all of them, but I've already rewatched most of the episodes, if not once or if not twice, uh, at least once. And I, I love it. I love the way that it, I, now that I've had some time to process it, I'm crazy about the ending. I thought it was so brilliant and so audacious, even though it was very, very infuriating when it was happening. I just, I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's why I don't think it's a bad season and I don't tell people I didn't like the season is because it sticks with you. It keeps you thinking and talking about it. There are these disappointments, which we've touched on, that you kind of box off and go, okay, well, I didn't get that. I wanted that, but I didn't get that. But what I got was still really good, just maybe yeah. in a yes. different way than I expected. 
Yeah, and part, no, and part absolutely. Of, and part of it is separating yourself from that fandom and from that obsessiveness that we do as fans is reading every book and reading, looking at everything. And I still go back to as much as the secret history was crucial reading for watching the return. I believe that fire walk with me was just as crucial. Oh yeah. And, oh, absolutely. And, right. And when you, th- and when you think about what fire walk with me is and what it said and what it did, it's way more in line with the return than season one or two ever was. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Lynch said that he's like, you're going to get fire walk with me. You need to watch fire walk with me before you watch this, because that that's where this is coming from. Uh, which makes sense. He yeah. he went from the series to Fire Walk With Me, and Fire Walk With Me is what's been brimming around in his brain as the most recent development of that story for him. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was the most unadulterated. Because, I mean, the you know, when the, when you're doing the show, there's all sorts of, of, of cooks in the kitchen and you know, networks and all kinds of stuff. But Fire Walk With Me was more of them getting to just sort of do it in a more intimate storytelling way that where there were less people interfering. It was really, it just felt a little more pure Twin Peaks, even though again, but if you'll pay attention to Fire Walk With Me, it does definitely have less of that cute Americana 50 yep. songs and sweaters and coffee and donuts than the than this show does. It, that, that's sort of absent from it. Well, and if you, even yeah. if you watch the, the cut parts, which is where most of the Twin Peaks stuff happens, yeah. It's a different flavor of Twin Peaks uh, than Definitely. what you get in the series. And and so I was prepared for that. I just wanted a little more. In fact, yeah, it's so funny. I didn't even think about the Bookhouse Boys as the missing link. But that's the kind of thing that would have helped kind of fill in those feeling gaps for me. Even if it was to say, like, you know, ever since this the Bookhouse Boys went away. It's felt different. It's felt darker here yeah. because that's yeah, a compelling story to me. Is that yeah. all? All of the you know, Twin Peaks has fallen into hard times because Cooper has been replaced. Because you know, there's this evil Black Lodge presence, uh, and it would destroy the Bookhouse Boys. I could totally see that. Yeah, even if they had acknowledged, you know, with Garland gone, with mm-hmm. Harry gone, with Coop gone, all these major players that were helping the bookhouse, with them, with them taken out, the whole bookhouse, like that could have been, you know, half of a scene. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. just yeah. wasn't wasn't there. But you know, oh, I, I still is as infuriating as a lot of it is, and was frustrating to me. I just I, I loved it. And it took yeah. me. It took me a couple watches. I've watched the finale three times. I think. Uh, I just. I'm very, very pleased with it. I feel very fortunate that we got it. It does feel a little weird that I still am sort of processing the fact that it's over. You know, a lot of people have died. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's we're never getting more twin. I don't think we're ever. I, I, I've read a lot. Well, of that's a, that's a, a, sa- sa- yeah. Save that. Save that for the towards the end. We're gonna we're gonna yeah, wrap yeah, with yeah. that. But yeah. But but it's funny because you know you were hung up on the Bookhouse Boys, and the more distance I get from it. You know, like I, I totally agree. Like I, I agree that it was brilliant, that it was challenging, that it really made us think, and it, you know, like and 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 the emotional roller coaster and all that sort of stuff. Looking back on it, for me, the th- the thing that the past couple weeks that I wish I could wrap my head around, and Tom, we touched on a little bit in a few of the episodes. What and I and read in interviews with David Lynch and other articles and stuff like that, but this idea that uh, the return didn't need to be watched linear, literally, you know, in a straight line. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I get hung up on several of the scenes in Twin Peaks that didn't seem to add up from a linear fashion. Yeah. You know, so, so like, like, and the one that sticks out to me is the Bobby at the diner with Big Ed and Norma. 
Yeah. Because that you know, and and Bobby and and uh, Shelley and their daughter and that whole drama and the and and Gersten Hayward in the woods. All those all those pieces felt like they felt like the right pieces in the wrong order. Yes. And and which which I have a hard time like what what kind of keeps me up at night is that Dougie was linear. And the the defeating the of Bob, as anticlimactic as it was, was linear, and then getting to the point where the finale happens. But the other pieces just felt like they weren't linear, and that that is what kind of gives me a headache still. And I mean, that makes in in the wake while it was happening, it was very frustrating because you're sitting there, and you know, like you said, we're all over analyzing and reading things and trying to figure it all out. And while it's happening, you're like, but wait, what? That that didn't happen. This and this art hasn't already happened. What's going on here? But now with the whole being able to look at it as a whole piece, I feel like I've I've had two different opinions. It's one thing to be in it for the first time, and it's a totally other thing to look at it as a whole piece of art. Uh, you know, the, the the playing of timelines and and you know. The, that certain things being timeless and always, I, I think there's always there's an idea in Twin Peaks that these kind of things are always happening in all the small towns all across America. So I kind of get it from that standpoint. But again, while I was while I was watching it, I was just sort of like, what is going on? And is this a there's no way this is a mistake, but it feels like a mistake. I'm getting a headache trying to figure all of it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, one of one of the most intriguing fan theories I've seen is the, uh, and I don't know if you guys have seen this yet, but there's an idea that in some ancient language, I think some ancient Chinese language, the um, Jude means uh, to explain, and they think that that's what Judy is about, and that so that Lynch thinks that to have things explained is the ultimate evil, mm. and. Yep. That makes a lot of sense, and I haven't not been able to stop thinking about that. And if there's, there's a, I'll, I'll have to send it to you guys, and listeners should totally look it up. But there's this all this great cool mythology about the last name Tremond and how it means world tree and how it all connects to all this stuff is always happening all the time in every dimension and every cycle of the world. And it's like once you start, it's one of those things that once you start seeing how big they want the myth, the mythology of Twin Peaks could be, your brain starts to break a little bit. I really think that there's something to that because one of the things that Lynch is known for is is making something that you can interpret in many different ways and not telling you the right way to interpret it. That is a very common uh, behavior of lots of artists, especially painters, who say, look, I, I just made it. You tell me what it means to you, which actually feeds into semiotics and not to get like too you know wonky academic about it, but... The basic idea of semiotics is that there's this thing of meaning and there's what the person who sent it means by it. There's what it means on its own and there's what you think it means when you receive it. And I think Lynch really respects that and says, sure, I have an idea of what I mean. And then there's the work itself. But I don't want to prejudice you. Maybe it means something different because you bring your own experiences and you bring your own perspectives, and that's perfectly valid. And that's why explaining it would be an evil because it would be pushing you into thinking differently about it than you would naturally. Yeah, actually, I would. If, if listeners are really going hardcore down the rabbit hole, I would really suggest reading the book in the revised version of Lynch on Lynch. 
which is just an interview book with him, and it goes through all of his pieces. Like this, one chapter is Eraserhead, one chapter is Wild at Heart, one chapter is Blue Velvet, and looking and there's a lot of insight into David Lynch's um, creative process and the way that he looks at things and the way that he talks about explaining things and storylines gives you a lot. And there's a whole chapter on Twin Peaks, which I actually just finished reading last night. Uh, it, it gives you a lot of information as to um, you know how how Twin Peaks, how he means it to be interpreted, how he doesn't want to mean mean it to be interpreted, and it makes you feel a little less crazy <laughs> just by being confused and wondering what's going on because he doesn't he this is the, what he wants. This is we are totally exactly where Lynch and Frost want us to be. We don't know what happened. We're endlessly speculating. We're bringing our own experiences. We're trying to figure it out. This is what you know, good art does is, yeah. you know, yep. confusing and frustrating as it can be. Yeah. So we the, wouldn't the, be the, doing a follow-up episode if it had been 18 episodes of wrapping up all the storylines. Right. Exactly. exactly. But unfortunately without the wrapping up of the storylines, it leads to this, this horrible, like we said, this pit of trying to explain it and fan theories and things like that, which like on one hand, you know, I feel like we've done a pretty good job of dismissing things throughout the season, not trying to read into him, letting Lynch tell us his story. But on the other hand, it's almost like it's like a method of grieving in having yes. the ability to keep the conversation going, right? It's, it's, oh, it's, and, it's really funny you actually use that word grieving because I actually, as we're, the night we're today, we're, as we record this, last night I just got back from a I went to go up to Twin Peaks with my boyfriend uh, and saw, you know, I went, I saw the Palmer house and I went and saw all the locations. And as we were driving back, uh, I said, I was like, I feel almost closure now because I feel like I've been in mourning for the end of Twin Peaks. And, you know, this is all, this is all we're going to get. And I felt like I needed some sort of, my trip up there was the kind of closure that I didn't get from the finale. Mm. Yeah. But so, and it's funny because it's like, we, we, also, like, I don't know if I still have closure. That's a good question. I mean, you made me think about that, Mallory, just now. It just changed my, you know, whether or not I have closure or not. Because we've been trained to look for so many clues and things, you know. And, like, and 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 of all those fan theories, they're trying to make sense of all these clues. You know, like the fact that, you know, Philip Jeffries, uh, the teapot Philip Jeffries spit out the number 708. And 708 is the, is the Palmer House address, right? Mm -hmm. And so that leads down the path. Okay, well, does that mean... The noise that we heard at the Palmer House when Hawk went to go visit was, in fact, that Judy had possessed the house and and Sarah Palmer. And is that why Sarah Palmer was bashing the glass on the photo? You know, like the, like avenues like that or the other theory that I love, which was that uh, episode. What was it? Episode 17 and 18 are meant to be watched at the same time. Yeah, well, I publicly side side. debunked that one, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but, but it's like, one of those like great that. Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon coincidences, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that reference is so, so for folks who aren't, you know, if you're listening and you're not crazy obsessed with all this stuff, there's a fantastic uh, AMA on Reddit in the Twin Peaks Reddit with Sabrina Sutherland, who is the executive producer of Twin Peaks. And I thought that like the timing of that was, I don't know if they planned or not, but that was genius because so many of theories like, you got to play 17, 18 at the same time. And, and Judy is this and blah, blah, blah. And she debunked one after another, which I thought was great because it was like someone giving us answers, but not in a way to ruin it, but just in a way to like, you know, so someone did ask was 17, 18 meant to be watched at the same time. And she's like, no, that wasn't David's intention. Like that, that's not something right. Which I thought was great. Um, well, it's great because it gives us, it at least shows us what we cannot think about. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, she does. She isn't pointing us in the right direction, but she's at least 
steering us away from the wrong directions. Yeah, well, and the other and, the other great one that I thought was interesting, which Mallory, I think, might, I don't know if it shatters some of your thoughts or whatever, but uh, according to Sabrina Sutherland in this AMA, uh, David Lynch has never read The Secret History book. Yes, which I, th- and, I yeah. kind of... I kind of love, and I think, and you guys have talked about on the show, and I and I, I am of the opinion that there's a lot of there's a few, not a lot, but there's a few things in the secret history that don't match up with the original show. Uh, yeah. You know, the Ed, Ed, Norma, Hank, and uh, Nadine, you know, Square being being the biggest example that aren't aren't. And it almost feels like it's kind of Mark Frost's own weird weird his own dimension of Twin Peaks, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of love that David Lynch never read it. And it's just like it's not a part of his stuff, and like so a lot of the stuff in the secret history, a lot of the alien stuff. There's a whole lot of alien. Mark Frost is really into aliens, and, yep. and that whole aspect of it. And I it kind of I love that Twin Peaks is almost like this jewel, and it's a little bit different depending on which facet you're looking in, depending on whose eyes you're looking at it through. And that's kind of yeah. where I'm going with my own theories about it. Is that I I'm not sure that we're in. I don't even know if it's timeline or alternate reality or dimension or whatever, but you know, in a world where you can you can drop through some sycamore trees and end up in a in the Black Lodge, I'm sure there are other exit points that take you somewhere else. And I'm not sure in the return, hilariously, if we actually returned to Twin Peaks, or at least the same one that we left. Oh, I think that's yeah. a great theory. And that's actually sort like, as I got to digest the finale, that's one of the things that was very, very intellectually stimulating to me. And I kind of love, and I sort of, I love the idea that there's always a Cooper and always a Laura and every dimension somewhere they're always and he Cooper is always trying to save Laura and mm-hmm. help. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm very, very bolstered by this idea that even if it's fruitless, even if it's not going to work, even if it's confusing and weird, there's some part of humanity that's always trying to save the good in the world. Even if it's com- almost completely helpless against all the against Judy, against all the alternative realities and the in the shifting uh, portals to different places. I kind of love like at the kernel, there's always we're always trying. Which is which is such a which is the heart of the of Lynch the Lynchian emotion you know or the, the yeah. Lynch's compassion for the world um, you know the the other thing the other thing that I take away from is Lynch uh, or at least Gordon Cole's dream with uh, what's with 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 what's her face Monica, uh, Monica Bellucci, Bellucci. <laughs> um, you know and and continuing the question of who was the dreamer you know and yes. and I think and and you know I've seen theories that Laura is the dreamer and that and and the moment at the end of the finale when she screams is when she's going to wake up and what whatnot you know I've seen theories that Richard is the dreamer and Richard actually is dreaming up all of this and whether they you know personally I think we are the dreamer mm. in that in that we yes. are getting lost in these stories and this epic tale of good versus evil and and emotion and intrigue and and drama and things like that and while we might not have a bob inhabiting uh, uh, you know someone we love and killing us we have people who have demons and who have problems in life and life doesn't go the way you think of it and you know the the idyllic homecoming queen has a dark side and and i i think the dreamer aspect is more of is a reflection of us as the viewer oh absolutely i think that and yeah. you know when we go back to the whole series if you if you really think about twin peaks this whole show is about somebody who who is dead who like people like something that I love about Twin Peaks is that whole like we're so caught up in something that is in the past that isn't actually happening and like this it's all about 
I mean, this whole show is about the ripples of what happened when Laura Palmer was murdered, you know, so it's, it's sort of, it's always been kind of uh, ethereal and, and very dreamy. And I think we clung to a lot of the cute, fun aspects of the first two seasons because they weren't, because they were solid, you know, that, you know, that's a, it's a real, real moment when people are drinking coffee and they're in are eating pie. But the things that that's kept the show going are all these weird ripples and these moments and trying to figure out what happened before and what's going to happen now and how, how this thing in the past affected this thing in the future. And actually one of the things that I want to, I was really excited to talk to you guys about is that, and I haven't seen enough talk about is the, the, that those few minutes in the finale when all of this is happening over Laura talking to Coop in the red room. And so is it, is it Laura who's streaming this? Is it Coop? Has this, has none of this even happened yet? I mean, or, or does this all just happen over and over again? I get that's I want to go that direction because if Cooper or Laura or some or Richard are the dreamer, it starts to verge towards it was all a dream, which which makes me uncomfortable. Uh, Dallas, and, you know, well, <laughs> and it's just such such a trope, such a cop out. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I and I know David Lynch isn't going to cop out like that. So if they are the dreamer, I know it's more complex than just that. They're not going to wake up and go, I had the strangest dream about this town. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I but, have the weirdest urge for pie. I don't, but yeah, I don't know yeah, what's yeah. going on. But I think it's more, it's more complex like that. And that's why if there is a dreamer, I think it's us. And I think that yes. that's how I took that Monica Bellucci scene as sort of pointing towards there's someone out there and that's us, the viewer, that are dealing with this dream and maybe we're the dreamer. Maybe it's a collective dream between us and Lynch and Frost and, and that, but I, I hesitate to want to believe that it is a character in the show, even if it's an unseen character like Richard or Linda, that's doing the dreaming. I a hundred percent agree. And I think, you know, I mean, that's, that's what, what life is. Everything. Life is a story you tell yourself. No one, no one can ever have, everybody has their own version of reality. And I mm. think that's something that's really reflected in the finale is that there's a, everything is slightly different for everybody. And, and, um, and every chunk, I mean, that scene where you see Diane looking at herself, yeah. you know, as she slips behind the post, that moment really just like, I love that. I love that whole scene, even though it's really, I mean, it's followed by the weirdest sex scene, maybe in television <laughs> history. That, um, but that moment where you're just like, this is, this is her own reality, but there's also another her. And who is that? What is she seeing as she's seeing all of this? You know, what, yeah. where, where are, what reality are we in? Is there any at all? It's so, I mean, you could just, you could, it's like a everlasting gobstopper of storytelling. You can just suck on this forever and you're never going to get yeah. to the bottom. Yeah. I mean, I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, everything, it all ties down to the, is the idea of the good beating evil. And I think that ties into, you know, I know we all complain about Dougie, but if you look at everything, Dougie was a positive impact on everyone's life that he touched. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, like, like there's not a single person that, that was not helped by Dougie. Um, uh, maybe the, maybe Ike the spike, but, um, you know, but like, you know, like Dougie was such a representation of good versus evil in its pureness. And I think that, I think that's the heart of what this return was and what might be the whole greater twin peak story. But then you've got the layering in of the, of the dream aspect. And I still don't know what to make of the fact when Cooper's face is superimposed over that scene in episode 17. Right. Yep. And I, and I don't know if that means that Cooper is waking up from his dream 
or and is aware of it. Like I, I don't I don't know what to make of that. And I feel like that's a key piece of it, which I still haven't unpacked personally. Um, well, we also have to remember that we found out, you know, as in, you know, it was at the pilot or either episode one or two, we found out that that's not quite Laura Palmer that's yeah. telling him this stuff. We don't know. She is Laura Palmer, but she also isn't. She's a representation of something. Yeah. And she's giving him this information. It's not the character of Laura. Yeah. She's not around anymore. She has been splintered into whatever the Red Room does to you. But or she went to, or she so, went to heaven at the end of Fire Walk with me. That's that's what I like to. That's yeah. That's I mean, I like to think I like to think that that Laura, uh, truly Laura, quote unquote Laura, is in heaven with the angels, and yes. Laura in the red room or whatever is the doppelganger version or whatever representation, or is a a conduit to get messages to people who need it, or get to get messages to Cooper or whatnot. The opening, I think, the opening of the face of Laura in the red in the in the red room to Cooper, and the opening of the face of Sarah in the bar is something also i don't know what that means but it's you know that that's a connection I, right yeah i 100% agree and i actually love the theory that you know it's not that not bob that has taken over sarah palmer and that's actually one of the things that yeah. i wish they went into a little bit more i wish we saw one more sarah palmer scene because that whole thing was so endlessly interesting to me but i don't think it's bob i think no it's i think, judy. I think I, if, yeah i think it's Ju i think i think the more i think about sarah it makes sense that judy has possessed sarah and when cooper goes back in time and saves laura that's when Sarah's, you know, gets angry and is breaking the the picture, and so Judy can't, she can't stop that from happening, but she can pluck Laura and put her into another dream, you know, yes. and that's and that's and that's the Odessa, Texas, and all that sort of stuff, and the and the moment when they go back to Twin Peaks and standing outside the very end of the finale, and when she screams, that's Laura screaming at Judy at the house, you know, I, I don't know, I'm mm -hmm. I'm I'm spitballing here, but it's it's it's. And again, the good versus evil, which will continue on and on and on. So yeah, no, I I'm really a hundred percent in with that. And Tom, your point about Dougie, I think that Cooper would not have been able to go back into the lodge and you know whatever whatever uniting moment that he had with Bad Coop on the other side of his um, his nature, so he could come back out and go after Laura. I don't think he would have been able to do that if he kept the part of him that made Dougie. I think being able to let go of that pure pure goodness and pure purity you know that you know that the cherry pie and uh and coffee loving part of him i think that needed to go back to janie e and sunny jim so he could go forward and go back into the lodge and mm. you know continue on this quest yeah that's a really good point uh because it is it is part of him that went yeah. back to dougie and 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 yep. that that is a good part it wasn't necessarily good before he came back, though. I feel like he kind of completed Dougie by doing that whole process, too. Yeah, well, I think that's really what, what we got. What I got out of him going back into the lodge, anyway, is that Cooper almost had not a not a mastery, but at least a little bit more of an understanding of what happens and the, the splintering of yourself as you go through there. Mm -hmm. Because he, you know, he went into there with a purpose. You know, he wanted to the coop. We, I, I think we're probably all in agreement that the coop that went into the that into that room underneath the Great Northern and the coop that came out with Diane are not the same coop. You know, yeah, yeah. we didn't the coop that was dry the way that he was. You know, he, when he was driving, he looked like bad coop. He looked like Mister C. Yeah, and yeah. The, the some of the facial expressions they had when Diane when he was having sex with Diane, that's not coop. Part of it is it's like a weird Kyle MacLachlan is just a fucking genius, and it yeah. was such a mastery of those the merger of the, those two characters. So I I really think that 
Coop's time in the lodge, he kind of, again, not mastered it, but figured it out a little bit. So he was able to, to send something else that wasn't quite what was Dougie-like, was, but it was a little bit more than Dougie, a little bit more complete as Dougie, back to Janie E. And the part of him that he got um, together to go look for Laura was, you know, most of him, but not quite all of him, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And that's wow. why, you know, knowing that and going back and looking at that sex scene, it's so much sadder, especially if you're really listening to the lyrics to My Prayer by the Platters. You know, we're all we all wish that, you know, we could have our coop back and, and, and you know, have awesome fun times with him. And Diane knows what she's what she's saying goodbye to and she knows what what has to be done. And she's just sad and it's that i think is the one moment where we all get to say goodbye but of course it's lynch and frost so it's not the way that we it's not the moment that you want yeah yeah no it's not the way that we want to get it well i mean this is the great thing about twin peaks is that it it is that i feel like we go on for hours and hours and hours talking about this stuff and still not know it you know and it's it's great (laughs) so i mean so that begs the question is is where do we go from here i mean you know we've mentioned that you know there's another book coming out mark frost has written the final dossier very curious to see what's in the contents of that. And we're going to reconvene here, Tom, to talk about that book after we read it and all that stuff. But, um, uh, I, I mean, do you believe this is it or do you see more Twin Peaks in our future ever? I, I don't think we're going to get any more Twin Peaks. I, I think that ulti- uh, one of the reasons why I've been really, you know, hem- like not hemming and hawing and thinking and digesting about the finale is I think this is it. I think we are going to get this Mark Frost book, but I think it's going to be like the secret history. There's not going to be any great revelations. We're not, we're not getting any answers from this. You know, I would like more on the bill. I hope we get a little bit more backstory on the billionaire, maybe some things about the bookhouse boys, maybe some small, there'll be some tiny little threads cleared up, but we, I think we all know that we're not going to be going and this is what happened. And here it all is like, that's just not what's happening. And you know, most of Twin Peaks is gone. Here's here's a question though that that I, I had this thought on the on the subway the other day that we have a lot of dangling questions right uh, yes. Becky Becky and her boyfriend and Shelly and Red right uh, Audrey you know like various things originally the plan for Twin Peaks was to do three movies and we've all talked about how rumored Mulholland Drive was going to be Audrey moves to L A and that sort of thing potentially do you see any of those dangling plot lines picked up and it become its own narrative? I don't think, I, I just don't feel it in my heart of hearts. And the thing is, if it, I, I think there might be interest in it, but I don't yeah. think Lynch would do it. And then to me, of course, as a you know Lynch freak, it wouldn't be pure. And that's why I think the secret history, as much as I love that book, it wasn't, it didn't feel as satisfying, but because it was just frost, it didn't feel as it didn't feel Canon. So I yep. think even if we got more in the Twin Peaks world, it would it to me it wouldn't feel fully Twin Peaks. Yeah, I I think I think we're done. <laughs> I think there's a fourteen percent chance of more Twin Peaks, because uh, because Lynch has pretty much said no, uh, but he also has left the door open. By, you know, saying, hey, look, it took me four and a half years to write and film this season. I'll never say, you know, he didn't say no, but he just said, don't talk to me about it now. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that you're right, Mallory, that he probably is done with it, but that he may have a tiny corner of his mind that thinks, but if I were to go back, maybe I'd explore oh, yeah. this idea. 
And yeah. he hasn't decided if that idea is worth exploring or not. He also doesn't know if he can convince anybody to give him the money to do it again and the the, the artistic license to do it again. So, well, I mean, I, now, now now here's my here's my counter thought to that is that it has now been a month and I'm still getting emails from Showtime about Twin Peaks merch. And now oh, I yeah. understand. Now I understand that Showtime needs to recoup, you know, the yeah. investment they put into it and all this sort of thing, and that's fine. I, but if the, I don't know, it's just and and I, I I mostly agree with both of you. I think we're done. I think the 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 Lynch's age and the level of effort that goes into something like this and all that sort of stuff. But Tom, I kind of agree with you that I'll yeah, fourteen percent sounds about right. 14% chance. That, that, you I know. definitely think someone's going to try. I definitely think so, the people at Showtime are like, oh, well, and I, I I mean, you know, Showtime did well. A lot of people joined the Showtime streaming service, I being one of them, to yeah. just to watch Twin Peaks. And I know that they're, you know, one of my best friends, Allison, Allison Auercade over at Rock Love Jewelry. She does all the Twin Peaks jewelry. You know, they're really pumping out, trying to get, you know, Twin Peaks stuff out into the world. But and I and I know that there's going to be meetings where they're like, well, what can we do? You know, maybe we'll do more Audrey. Maybe we'll do more Chet, like somebody. But I just yeah. don't think we're going to get it. Yeah. I and I'm also, and honestly, I'm okay with it. The note that it ended on felt very final. It felt uh, I don't feel closure, but I feel like this is a complete piece of art. And I would rather it and, and it feels different than, you know, the, the ending of season two that felt definitely very cut off. And like there could have been more. This feels complete to me, even if it doesn't. I don't a hundred percent understand it, and I would rather have this feeling than okay. Now we're doing five spinoff series where we're going to explore every single nook and cranny of Twin Peaks. I like. Right, I just. Yeah. I'd well, I think this season I think on the Mitchum brothers. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah. Actually, I, I think, think although I will mind watching a, a Mitch and Brothers show, I kind of love them now. <laughs> I, I will admit I've rewatched the scene of them doing the conga into the insurance office uh, several yeah, times. Because, yeah, so that's, that's fun. As, but, I was, um, as unsure as I was about them when they first arrived, I feel like they yeah, are yep. probably the only example of the old feeling of Twin Peaks coming, yes, yeah. coming back to me. I 100% agree. Agreed. I 100% agree with them. There's so many scenes, yeah. but even in the, in the insurance company that are like, they're, feel very Twin Peaks yeah, to me. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm with you on that. But but Mallory, that, that observation you made about this, comparing this to season two, season two definitely felt like a cliffhanger. You know, you, yes. you know, you, you, Bob is in Coop, Coop, you know, like, oh, my God, what, what, how's Annie? Oh, my God, what, you know, I want a season three. Whereas this feels more like the end of The Sopranos where we go to yeah. black and who knows what happens next. You know, you, you, you fill in the ending, you know? Um, and that, that's the kind of ending I like a lot more. So, yeah, again, uh, as, as, as hard as it is to, to stomach as a fan, uh, I, I prefer this than, you know, I would be kind of bummed out if they're like, all right, Showtime has renewed Twin Peaks for seven more seasons. <laughs> oh gosh, like I just, yeah. I'd rather see it be like this than wrung out like a towel. Yeah. Agreed. So, all right, cool. Well, um, thank you, Mallory, for sharing your thoughts with us. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for having me back on. I was, I was been very much looking forward to talking to both of you about, about the, as again, we've obviously got a lot of thoughts and opinions and feelings, and I'm glad that I got to, you know, hash it out with you guys. Yeah, we um, like I said, we could do it for hours and hours and hours. So who knows? Um, but I know many of you out there in the listener audience, listening audience, have been thinking about it as well too. Our email still works. You can email us at feedback at damn fine podcast. And we have no emails in this in this episode, but we do want to uh, hope that Scott L enjoyed this episode because he has been very patient <laughs> waiting for this episode, checking in weekly. Um, so thank you, thank you, Scott. Uh, uh, thank you for still wanting to hear what we think of it. So. 
Um, all right. Well, Mallory, anybody who uh, wants to hear, wants to know more about you, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, I'm most active on Twitter. You can find me just at Mallory O'Mara, O-M-E-A-R-A. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Just Google Mallory O'Mara. I'm very, very easily found on the internet. Glasses and purple hair. You can't miss me. <laughs> and and we never talk about it, but Tom, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, um, well, I have a ridiculous Twitter name. It's called Ace Detect. Good luck spelling it. A-C-E-D-T-E-C-T. Make sure that you really want to follow me if you follow me on Twitter. <laughs> but you can find everything else about me at TomMerritt.com. And I'm at RonXO on Twitter, and my links are all in there. Just go to Twitter at RonXO. Um, all right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Damn Fine Podcast. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash Podcast for sticking with us. Uh, like, we, like I mentioned earlier, Tom, we'll be back. Yes, we're going to be back here actually in about a month to talk to you. So make sure you email us at feedback at Podcast with any of your theories, your questions, your questions about theories, anything that you still want to get answered, anything that you're upset about, anything at all, Twin Peaks, email us now at feedback at damnfinepodcast.com. And in about a month, Tom and I will return here. We'll read your emails. We'll have a discussion. And then we'll be back after that to talk about the final dossier uh, after we've read it. Uh, we'll probably talk about the final dossier once we've got our hands on it in that next episode where we read your emails and then we'll do a full book review so you get two more episodes coming from us at least by the end of the year so uh definitely stay on board stay subscribed to that feed stay on patreon stay on subscribe to the feed uh you know you never know we might be back so uh stay tuned uh so until then i'm ron i'm tom gotta like one.